I had planned for Head and Harry to read those passages before I knew that Heart of Worship was going to be the song. And I want you to, if you don't know the story, let me tell you the story real quick. Is it Matt Redman, gentlemen? Matt Redman was going to church, at a church where he was a worship leader, and his pastor decided, we're not getting something right. We're not seeing something right. So they did away with music from their service for three months altogether. And people would stand up. And in fact, I don't think they even used sound equipment. I think he spoke without the benefit of sound equipment. And they uh, they would get up and read scripture. They would have somebody get up and testify. They would have people get up and just give a praise. And that was their whole service. And then they'd have a sermon and then they'd have some more worship and praise just from the spoken word. And that song came out of that three months. He came up and said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. And then the, the line that always gets me, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. So this morning I want us to investigate how, what have we made worship? What have we here? Y'all don't know. My heart beats for church members. I know there are people out there that are like evangelize, evangelize, evangelize. I thank God for those people, but my heart beats for the people of God. And I want the people of God to get it right. You understand what I'm saying? So, this morning, that was so excited. I was so excited when that song came up. I was like, oh, Lord. I told her beforehand that I was uh, very nervous today because I'm going I'm to tell you straight up. If you don't want me preaching again after today, just tell Philip. Straight up, you know. Um, if you do, there's no way I'm going to finish this today. There is absolutely no way. There's so much stuff in my head and in my heart, which is the same thing, by the way. We'll get to that later. Uh, and I'm trying my best to, to Call it down this week. I say, you know, I'm just going to go until it's time to quit. And then if there's some left, we'll do that later. Okay, <laughs> that's how we're going to work this. So I want to tell you a story about a meeting I went to. I went to this amazing meeting. Um, everybody greeting each other. Uh, just hugging you know, like you expect in a meeting, right? Everybody hugging, everybody saying how, it's how good it was to see each other. Hadn't seen in a while catching up. And then everybody goes into the building. We get in the building and it's just, it's just amazing, the facility. It's just absolutely amazing. Big screen, everything you could imagine. Music was incredible, you know. And then there was, there was times when people were lifting their hands. There were times when people were, were uh, shouting. There were times when people were just having a, a good time. There was times of weeping. There were times of joy followed immediately by times of sorrow. And and the music sort of seemed to go with everything that we did. It was just amazing. And then at the end, there were people who left who who left uh, with heavy hearts, wanting to see that change. And then there were people who left joyous. And, and we went and got in our vehicle and took down our tailgate stuff and left the ball, football game. Huh? Does that sound? I mean, that description was not inaccurate. Did I lie? There were even people praying, man. Oh, God, just let's go one more time. God, just let's go one more time. Right? It doesn't sound much different from some of our church services today. But, hey, we'll let you decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing later on. Okay? I went to a church one time, was asked to speak at a 
one of our charismatic churches, which worried me to begin with because uh, I ain't that. And I was asked to speak on worship. I said, well, how much time are you going to give me? Huh. We're going to give you about five to ten minutes because it's going to be a panel of preachers. Man, I can't say hello in five to ten minutes. You know what I'm saying? But it was it was a very interesting service. Um, it was nonstop repetitive music and and it was good music. I got to tell you straight up, it was some good musicianship, some good music. And and I everybody got up and and they were getting all the amens and the hallelujahs and the glory to gods and. And it was just, it was just a continuation. The music actually didn't stop while people were preaching, which was something I wasn't used to, so I didn't know how I was going to do that, right? And so, so we're going ahead and we get, we get to me. And I had this part that I'm going to share with y'all today about that God doesn't always like your worship. The music stopped. The people got dead silent. And I was like, I'm fixing to get run out of this place. <laughs> By the way, I got this on, just working. Okay. And um, I didn't know what to do. So I just said, okay, God, I'm just going to keep preaching your word. And I preached the word for about 11 minutes. I went over a little bit. And then as soon as I was done, it was kind of like, y'all ever seen the, on, on comedy shows? They're sitting there, everybody's quiet. Hey, man, hey, man, yeah, yeah. And then on to the next person, right? You know, we are so caught up in worship today. We say we have the worship time and then the preaching. Ladies and gentlemen, in the first century church, the worship time included and was centered around the preaching and the response of the people. It wasn't just music. Music's great. If you know me at all, you know that I love some good Jesus rock and roll. You understand what I'm saying? But we've got to understand what worship really is. I thought of this this week. Worship has become the gateway to heresy in the church. It has become the gateway to heresy in the church. People are doing things under the guise of worship now that conservative Christians would have never done 15, 20 years ago. A friend of mine told me in 1993, he was in the music business. He said, we're about to enter an era where mu worship music will make more money than any other form of Christian music. And he is absolutely correct. It is big business. Hillsong makes $55 million a year only on their worship music. Did you hear me? $55 million a year. The worship band from Bethel, Jesus Culture, sells out 228 days a year, 16,000 plus seat auditoriums. I won't go into Bethel. I'm going to stop. I want to so bad, but I'm going to stop. Okay, I'll just tell you. Bill Johnson, their leader, believes you can go lay on the grave of a saint and soak up his anointing. You want to be associated with that? I don't. And this is the kind of thing that has moved charismatic and, and word faith 
and all these other doctrines into the mainstream church. You even hear people say, don't speak that on him. We can't speak nothing on anybody God don't want to happen. There's no power in our words unless it's the word of God. The great awakening that everybody pushes back to says, oh, I wish we could have another great awakening. Have you ever studied it? You need to read Jonathan Edwards' Religious Affections. You need to read that book. People were, quote, slain in the spirit and barking like dogs and holy laughter. Does that sound kind of familiar today? Toronto blessing. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want to go back to that. I want to go back to what the reformers said. I want to go back to when we left the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church was so bad. That's what I want to go to. Do I want to go back to Gregorian chant? No, I do not. In case you're wondering. No, I would fall asleep just like you would. I want to go back to something called the regulative principle. That is the principle that says if it is not in the Bible, we don't do it. I'm not talking about the normative principle that says if it's not in the Bible, we don't do it. But if it's not expressly allowed or forbidden in the Bible, then we can go ahead and do it. No, if we just did it the way the Bible said do it, we'd be all right. That's what I want to personally go back to. Now, I'm going to say again. After today, if you wish... If you wish me to continue this, tell Philip. If not, just don't ever let that boy up here again. All right, I'm just going to tell you that straight up. So if you'll hit the first slide for me there. This was said by an atheist. I'll let you read it. You're not dumb. Now, first of all, what business do we have? By the way, this was quoted in a book on worship from a prominent, not going to tell you, from a prominent preacher in this country. First of all, why are we quoting an atheist? That's, that's just my question, you know. Dude, no, don't get this one. But look at that last part. Something fun we get together to do on the weekend and it really doesn't affect our lives. Really? What's the scripture say about when we're supposed to worship? Just on Sunday? Every day, all day. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Next slide, please. Ask yourself this question. I'm not giving you a right or wrong answer. I'm just asking you to answer the question to yourself. Notice it says, have I. Every question you're going to see, I've asked myself in the last four weeks as I've been preparing. Next, is the church doing worship right? Are we doing worship right here at Brookhaven? Because you see, I don't believe we need to say, are they, they're just not doing it right out there. I think we need to be the kind of people that is introspective first. We look at the plank in our own eye, right? First, we look to see what we're doing first. And by the way, have you seen anything about music yet? No, thank you. You're not going to. Uh, is there a right and wrong way to worship God? That's a, that, that's a question that nobody ever asks. Ever. We never see somebody say, well, you know, I just feel like I, sh you know, maybe I'm worshiping God wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Well, this past week, I reached that point. And I wasn't talking about you folks. I reached the point where I feel like I'm worshiping God wrong sometimes. There are sometimes I don't like some lyrics that I read, and I can't get past the fact that I don't like the lyrics to stand there and really worship God. You understand what I'm saying? Let's move on. Next thing. Turn your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 10. By the way, if you're not a Bible drill person, you're going to become one today. I don't want you, and by the way, if you don't agree with me about something, please see me later on. Let's have a discussion. I am willing to change my mind from one end to the other if God tells me. How many of you ever heard the story of Nadab and Abihu? Nadab and Abihu. It's this little funny story sort of tucked away in Leviticus that people tend to not pay close attention to. So let's read, let, let me read this to you. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, you know who Aaron is, right? Okay. Okay. Each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it and offered profane fire. Some of your translations may say strange fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. So they went out from the Lord. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must regard as hope, be regarded, be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. Now, there's a couple things we need to know the backstory of. First of all, Nadab and Abihu had um, gotten intoxicated. Okay? And they decided in this worldly state that they wanted to go offer offerings and worship to God. I have a question for you. Is that a bad thing that someone wants to go offer worship to God? No, it's not a bad thing. It's not about, they may have even been sincere in what they were doing. And they said, in fact, we're going to, we're going to step it up a notch, or as Emerald used to say, kick it up a notch, right? We're going to do something that most, that nobody else does. We're going to put this profane fire. We do not know what that was. So if you're stuck on that, get unstuck because it ain't in the book. All right. We don't know what the profane fire was we don't know what they put in there we don't know i've heard in studying this and looking at what other people have said i have seen thousands of people literally saying what they they knew what the profane fire was it's not in there okay so if it ain't in there who cares right all we know is they offered profane fire before god and then we get down here and it says that they put incense into off the profane fire before the lord which he had not commanded them if you're the one that writes in your Bible, underline that part. He had not commanded them. The problem was not their sincerity. The problem wasn't even that they had had some strong drink before they went in. The problem was that God had said, this is how you will worship me, and this is how you will not worship me. 
and they walked in and did something that God didn't tell them they could do. That was the simple thing. So God pronounced a judgment on them and killed them. Now, if that doesn't tell you how seriously God takes the worship of himself, that probably ought to, uh, you probably need to go do some praying or something. All right. Let me uh, share with you what uh, my preaching hero said about this. He said, imagine that your wife's birthday is really close to Mother's Day. Or your mama's birthday is really close to Mother's Day, right? And so you're going to celebrate Mother's Day and the mama's birthday on the same day. So you look at your children, and Bodie's got seven children. He's got more than me. Even. And so uh, we look at, so imagine it's our house, and I, I look at my Brandon's molders and say, okay, you're going to make orange juice for your mama. Okay? But you're going to put some coconut juice in there with it. Because we got to make it special for your mama. Okay? And then I look at Lewis and I, I say, you're going to make fried eggs, but you're going to have to make them over medium. Because that's a perfect egg. Over medium. And, and then you're going to have to make, and then we'll go, I look at, I look at uh, Wilson and say, okay, Wilson, you're going to cook mama some bacon, but remember, don't make it too crisp. Mama, you know, it's got to, it's got to be limp because that's perfect bacon. Right? I'm making some of you want to throw up right now and understand. All right. And then, then I, then I go to Jordan and I say, Jordan, you're going to make mama some super strong coffee. And then you're going to put about 90 gallons of sugar in it and only put half of the cup with coffee and the other half's going to be heavy cream. All right. Which is kind of like Starbucks. But anyway, and then, and, and then I, I look at, at, at Grayson and I say, okay, Grayson, you're, you're going to, um, make your mother some some french toast okay but remember you got to make sure it's soaked real good and it's not quite cooked in the center that's what you have to do for your mother and she's in the bed we go wake her up we take her breakfast in bed and we lay that thing out for her and we go we go here you are mama here you are hun because you're the best ain't but one problem she wants her eggs dead done you understand what i'm saying she wants some. She don't like coffee with a ton of cream in it. Okay, and she don't like strong coffee, and she especially don't like uncooked French toast. Okay, she wants her orange juice pretty much straight. You know, she might have been able to tolerate it. Are you following what I'm saying? Or as somebody said, you smell what I'm stepping in. All right. We did everything with good intentions to make her day special, but she didn't like any of it. Now, if that could happen, what makes you think that can't happen with God? Hmm? It is absolutely possible to walk in the presence of God with the greatest intentions in the world. And then God looks at it and goes, not so much. It's interesting that he talks about when the burning incense and that sort of thing. It's a sweet smelling savor. He's using descriptive language to say God enjoys. You see what I mean? You following? Next, please. Jeremiah, chapter 7. And the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, 
and proclaim the word, this word and say, hear the Lord, the word of the Lord, all of you of Judah who enter in these gates to worship. Now, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Judah. God's people. Check. Right? Right. Okay. Let's make sure we're on the same place. And it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doing, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. In other words, somebody's trying to tell you a lie. Somebody's trying to tell you that this is the temple of the Lord and this is the temple and this is where you should go. And God said, there's one place you should go. My house. That's what he says. So they were trying, there are people who try to deceive you as to what, how you're supposed to worship God. They might even be doing it with good intentions, but they're trying to deceive you. And the scripture says, back up from them now. In fact, it says, have nothing to do with the works of evil men, but do what? Expose them. Let people know that this is junk. Okay? That's our job, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Our job is to proclaim the truth to people who are listening to lies. And he told Jeremiah specifically to fight against it. Next. Isaiah 29. Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips but have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Hmm. I think that's kind of enough on that one. Next. Matthew. I'm going to have to move over here and read this. Let me read it up here. 21. Matthew 21. You can turn there if you want to. In case you want to believe I'm not, I don't want to lie to you, you know. Matthew 21, verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll put, put this one in for one specific purpose. The ones we were talking about before were hundreds of years earlier. Hundreds of years earlier. And now we've come hundreds of years later and it's still going on. People are still not treating God's house the way God wants his house treated. So now, yes, we're a few thousand years away. But guess what? People are still not treating the worship of God the way he wants to be worshipped. <sighs> Mike, you're supposed to come in here and talk about love. Mm-hmm. But I'm also supposed to do the whole countenance of the word of God, right? Everything about the word of God, correct? And I know that the God I serve is also a, 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 um, a strong God. He is a jealous God. You ever know, have you been, I almost need to sit down on this one. Y'all remember Awesome God, right? Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with, with. 
You know, everybody now, if you ever hear that song sung, that's the only part they sing. They don't sing the way Rich Mullins wrote it. Verse line, when he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the Ritz. Our God is an awesome God. There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fist. Our God is an awesome God. And the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood. His return is very close. So you better be believing that our God is an awesome God. That's that song. But all we want to sing is our God is an awesome God. You know, there's a reason people quit singing the first part. Because that's not the God of love. That's not the God that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. Right? Nadab and Abihu certainly didn't feel warm. and Well, they felt warm, but they did not feel fuzzy. Right? I wonder how long it took them to realize they had messed up. Hmm? Mm -mm -mm. We are watching the church today go through anything and everything is okay as long as it's done in the name of love. And the thing that worries me the most, now y'all got to understand, I was uh, raised United Methodist, okay? I was born again uh, into a Southern Baptist church and went to Southern Baptist seminary and have served in Southern Baptist churches. I now go to one. You understand what I'm saying? But I am worried about the Southern Baptist Convention. I am worried about the junk that is being allowed to represent us on the national level. And it's mainly because of us allowing frivolous worship music to take over our churches. Stuff that I did say music. Stuff that, you know, you do know music preaches doctrine, right? I love Christmas songs. I wrote a Christmas song. It's a silly little Christmas song, but I wrote it and I like it, right? But how about, uh, have you ever thought about this one? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. That's pretty strong doctrine, isn't it? Veiled in flesh. What's that mean? That God himself came to earth. Veiled in flesh. Covered where we couldn't see his glory. Because all these people hollered, we want to see your glory. We want to see your glory. We want to see your glory. And you'll be dead the second you look. You understand what I'm saying? But he became veiled in flesh. The Godhead see. What does that mean? That means the authority, the one of authority here on the earth. You see what I'm saying? Music teaches doctrine. And the devil knows this. So the devil is going to throw out Something in music that sounds pretty good. And by the way, if, in case you didn't know this, you know the best way to lie? I'm about to tell y'all some how to sin. You know the best way to lie? Stick the little lie in a bunch of truth. Do you know how much poison it takes to poison a well? A few drops. Tastes pretty good still. Water still tastes good. <laughs> You'll be dead in 20 minutes. And that's what some of the music is, is doing. It's putting... This stuff that feels good to us 
into a nice catchy tune, which by the way, I like catchy tunes. Okay. So you nice catchy tune. And so you're listening to the tune more than you're listening to the words. Okay. We need to see some, somebody going to have the guts to admit what I'm about to say. How many of you know, and I'm not talking about just church music, but in music in general, how many of you know the chorus to songs, but can't sing a word of the verses? Huh? Right. We are that way in church so bad it stinks. We can sing that chorus over and over and over again, but we don't ever try to say, well, what does that word say to me? Being a worship leader in the modern society, that's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> because you've got to go through that music and make sure that it's not only good and people are going to connect with it, but that it's going to be doctrinally solid. And that is a big responsibility. It's a big, big, big responsibility. At one church we were at, um, a young lady came up, and my sons were the worship band and worship leaders, and came up and said, will you please sing this song in church? And it was a, quote, praise song. And my oldest son, Brandris, looked at her and said, we ain't singing that. And she got offended. It's such a good song. He said, have you read the lyrics? You know, I actually went to a song where they sang a song called Broken Hallelujah. I was in the church. They sang that. Have you ever listened to the lyrics to that song aside from the word hallelujah? That's a trashy song. All right. It is our responsibility as leaders and, and men and women of the church to step up and say, hey, baby, you don't want to do that. And if that song is associated with a certain place that teaches heresy, even if the song is decent, we may want to say, hey, um, we don't want to be associated with them. And people who don't know may say we're associated with Let's not do that. You see what I'm saying? It's that important. It is that important. So. I'm going to throw out a few things to you. First of all, this idea of hearts and minds. Stop separating your heart and your mind. Your heart is not the blood pumping muscle. That is not your heart, spiritually speaking. Do you know what it was in the in culture before? <laughs> before it was the heart? You know what they said? It was your bowels. Honey, I love you with my intestines. Mm, that's going to get you a date. Woo! Gives a whole new meaning to honey, you moved me. You know? No, no, no. No. We transferred it, transferred it to the heart about 300 years ago that the heart was the seat of your emotions. But ladies and gentlemen, the scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your heart. Is that true? It says your mind. Your mind is where your heart resides. And if you can't engage both of those things, your heart's the emotions and your mind is the thinking part. God wants you to come to him and think and engage your emotions in the same focal point. I like looking over my glasses sometimes at people because I can't really see what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know what you're thinking right now. You may think, stop beating me up. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to get you to think. Think and love God with your heart. 
Because he says, love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Everything that is you should be loving God. That's what he desires. Better move on or we're in trouble. Next one. So why am I so passionate? Next. Go ahead. Hit it. Is it coming up? Because I'm Mike Troxel. This is the lyrics to a song called Switchfoot by Switchfoot, but you don't really need to know about Switchfoot. I was on the way to church one Sunday morning and I was really worried about preaching that particular Sunday morning for some reason. And uh, Jordan, my outspoken, hard headed, like, you know, person in my, he said, Dad, I want you to hear a song. So he played this song called Instead of a Show. And I listened to that song. And I said, stop and play that song again. And he played it again. And the line that says, right, I got to see it from up here. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your praise, the hypocrisy of your festivals. I hate your show. Away with your noisy worship. Away with your noisy hymn. Stop my ears when you're singing them. I hate all your show. And this is a Christian band singing this song. And I'm going, never heard that in my life. Some may write. So I got to look this up. Next slide. Keep on. Amos 5, 21 through 23. If you want to turn there, you can just read. I hate and despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies, though you offer burnt offerings to me and your grain offerings. I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your string instruments. That right now just hurts me. That hurts me right now that God could say that to his people. He is talking to the people of Israel. And what happened is they got so impressed with their own way of worship, their own style of worship. And they got so, it just blesses my heart to do, to do this, God. We're doing it for you. And I'm not making light of that. That's what they were doing. God, this just blesses me so to be able to do this for you. And don't you like what I'm doing? And God said, I do not like what you're doing. Look at the words. Hate. Despise. I will not accept your offering. Wow. I will not regard your peace offerings. Take away from me the noise, that's an important word, of your songs. For I will not hear the melody of your strength. God not only says, I hate what you're doing, he said, get out of my face. That's a God of love. He loves enough not let us keep doing that mess. He said, get out of my face, repent and come back to me with what I've asked you to do. You don't have to do more. Just do what I ask you to do. How many of you ever said that to your children? You don't have to do a lot. Just do what I ask you to do. Right? Never forget. Dad told me one time, take out the garbage. Feed the dog and sweep the floor. Three things. All right? Well, I said, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to do all those things. And then I'm going to go out in the garage and clean up the garage. man's garage. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Only I decided I'd do it in reverse order. So I went and cleaned the garage. Front to back. It was spotless. And I said, okay, now I'm going to take a little break and then I'm going to go in and finish up the rest of the stuff. So I took maybe a 10 minute break, went inside and about the time I'm inside and looking around for 
What garbage to get and walks dead. I didn't do what he told me to do first. You see what I'm saying? Did I do something bad? Clean the garage is good. But I didn't do what he told me to do. He wasn't happy. And back then, well, you know how we used to, dads used to tell you they weren't happy, right? It was unspoken. It was just, you know, never understood how he could do that all in one motion. But anyway, next. They honored the special days of the Jewish calendar. They called sacred assemblies. They offered sacrifices, burnt offerings, and songs, uh, songs, so, sang songs of worship. Their meetings looked like so beautiful and holy, and yet God only refused, not only refused to accept their worship, he said he despised and hated them. John MacArthur said that. Wow. Now, don't raise your hand, but have you ever considered this? That God could take your sincere worship and say, I hate it. Mm. Next. So Israel became fixated on the form of worship. They became, uh, they were simply repeating actions. How many of you know people do that? Go to church the same action every week. Y'all know who, come on now. Help me out. Y'all know who I'm talking about. You got the people you think that raise their hands and you think that they're they're going to being held up by somebody at gunpoint. Right? Then you got the people who apparently are painting. Right? Then you got the people who don't want anybody else to know that they, they do this hand raising thing. You know what I'm saying? People just repeat the same thing. They see somebody else do it, let me do it. They see somebody else say it, let me say it. You see what I'm saying? And then their songs and music were confusing and disjointed. That's what the word noise and if you'll hit the slide again, there was a group way back in the 70s that uh, that did a song called Room Noise. And I, so I wanted to do some research on this word noise in Hebrew. And it's basically the sound of a crowd when you go somewhere and you can't really make out anything that's being said because the crowd is so loud. Kind of like Baptists at dinner on the ground. You understand what I'm saying? We can't make out what each other's saying because it's just everybody saying some good stuff. Join fellowship, right? That's the what we're talking about. And you go to a lot of churches and you cannot make that out. You cannot make out what anybody's saying because everybody's, especially some of our charismatic brethren who are doing the speaking in tongues thing. You know, they're all speaking in tongues at once and they're all, and I'm like, stop! <laughs> I need to hear what you're saying. Uh, the background noise and music is kind of indistinguishable. I don't know if you've ever been someplace where they, like, oh, like in a restaurant. Right? Only once in a while you clue into the song. Right? Most of the time it's just ba 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 and you're just listening. Next. So this is the song. Down on Ben Disney's doing what you please. As you say, gospel, gospel music's an alternative. But you've never have to change the way you live. Idle, idle lyrics floating through the air. Invisible netting, emotional snare. I don't want to be room noise. I don't want to be room noise for God. I want to, I want him to hear me. I want other people who, when I'm talking to him, I want other people, if they're around, to know what I'm saying to him. So they get it. And they can join me. You see what I'm saying? That makes sense to you? 
Next. So Israel's worship had become man-made. It become a spectacle. It become what everybody wants to go see. I'm still trying to figure out where we got praise and worship concerts from. You know they have them, right? Why is it a praise and worship concert? Thank you. That's what our worship has become in this country. It's entertainment. Just go be entertained. You're okay. Do I knock Christian entertainment? Oh, no. If you've got a great band out there that's going to sing some good Jesus songs, go listen to them. But don't call it a worship service. You understand what I'm saying? All right, next thing. So, first of all, here's what we got to understand. It is possible for God, God's people, to offer false worship. Number one. You don't have to amen me because you may not be there yet. It is possible. Number two, God doesn't like false worship. Hmm. Number three, unbiblical worship is not acceptable for holy God. Okay? Biblical worship. God doesn't even want to hear our music when we practice unbiblical worship. Now, please do not go tell Philip that I said that we're going to go back to organs and not letting drums be in the church. And I, don't you, don't you, I'll, I'll call you out. All right. I am not saying that. I'm saying you, first of all, I'm saying pray for Stacy. She has to make some hard decisions. Cause I guarantee you, if people come to you and say, would you play this in church? Isn't this a good song? And you gotta look at that and go, uh oh. <laughs> right? Pray for her. She's gotta make some hard decisions. Pray for the musicians when they get up here. You understand what I'm saying? And pray for yourself that when you come into church, you're coming to worship, not to be enjoying some music. Okay? So that's the first thing. Next. We must repent. Word means to change your mind. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Okay? And you just make up your mind. God, I am not walking in to this church and giving you unbiblical worship in a way you told me not to do. Not doing that, God. We must make the proper worship in the church a priority. It doesn't need to be simply, well, what can we do to change our what we do? Have you heard me say we're doing it wrong? Because it's got to be individual first. You understand what I'm saying? It's got to be individual before the corporate's going to be right. you got to come in yourself. Worry about you before you walk in here. Like I did this morning. I didn't come in the bedroom, start getting changed this morning, and just say, where you been? I told her I've been thinking. I can't walk in here and talk to you about worship if I don't make sure that I'm ready to come here and worship. Right? You can't walk in here and worship until you're ready to come in and walk in worship. It's, it's, we talked about the difference between praise and worship. Don't have time to do that today. I wish we did, but we must focus our worship rightly. We must guard against the attempts to compromise what worship is. And one of the things is I was talking to folks this week and I, I wanted to say that we enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter towards with praise. 
And then we do worship. But that doesn't seem to work. So I say, well, we go in and worship and then we then we do praise at the end because God's done something in our lives. And, and here's what I found out. Worship in Scripture is almost always an acknowledgement. Well, it is just depending on how it's done. It's an acknowledgement of who God is and who we are not. So if you want a definition of worship, here it is. Worship is acknowledging who God is and how great he is and how we are none of those things. Head and Harry, when you read those things, that's what a lot of that was, wasn't it? God, you're amazing. You're great. Woe is me for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. God, you are amazing. I am not those things. That's what worship is. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that God is and we aren't. God is God and we are people. That's what worship is. And praise is when God has done things in our life to take us to that point and we go, yes, you're God. And we praise him. You see what I'm saying? Praise is all about how he's worked and how good he is. I wish we had time to go in that, but we just, we just don't. Oh, sometimes there's just not enough time in a sermon. So in the Hebrew, the word worship means to prostrate oneself. Anybody been doing that when they come into worship here? Oh, wait, you don't know what that means. That's a praise right there. A year ago with my knee, I couldn't have got up. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. Uh, but you understand what I'm saying? It means, let's let's look at it. It means to just go, God, you are God. And I can't stand before you. Every time somebody worshiped God in the scripture, that's what happened. Did you know that? Even tried to do it to angels. Y'all remember that? There's an angel. What did he do? He fell to his face in worship. Get up. I'm not God. Right? It's It's a act of surrender before the greatest being that has ever been and ever will be. When the y'all remember what happened when the guards came to arrest Jesus and they said, we're looking for Jesus. He spoke two words. Y'all know what they were? I am. And to those guards, they, he, they did not, he did not say to them, well, I am the Jesus you are looking for. He said two words. I am the great I am. That's what he meant. I am. They backed up and fell down. By the way, that's the only time anybody was slain in the spirit. In case you were wondering, the only time, literally, that's it. They stood as non-believers before the God of the universe who simply said, I am, and it knocked them to their backsides. <laughs> Next. In Greek, means to kiss towards. And so I think that that's where we've kind of gone, okay, um, see, it just means a, a kiss toward. It just means a, a subtle thing. No, no, no. That doesn't do away with the Hebrew. Understand? That's just because that's what the New Testament's written in. That's the closest they could come. Okay? Get it? Worship begins when we recognize our place for God. Period. That's when it starts. So if you want to get ready for worship, here's what you do. You ready? Practical application. Ready? Read the creation account. 
how God just spoke and it happened. Right? Read Job. You say, that's a weird one to read. No, read Job. Because God looks at Job and says, hey, Job, where were you when I did all this? Read those Psalms that were read this morning. Read things that tell you how great God is and get yourself in that right perspective. But I remember a time, I'm going to be confessional. I remember a time when I would walk in, ain't God lucky to have me coming to church. You see what I'm saying? Some of you aren't saying anything because you did it. Right? When it should be, God, I'm blessed to even walk in the doors. Next. Job said, Job then arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped. I am not telling you to get slain in the spirit. I am telling you that that is a figurative language. Fall on your face before holy God. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Period. I don't need all this other stuff. Next. Worship is not about what I enjoy. It doesn't matter if I enjoy worship. I'm going to read you a quote. I may have put it on there. What's the next slide? No. Hold on that one. Here's a quote. From a guy named John Sampson. If God is pleased with your worship, it doesn't matter who is displeased. But if God is displeased, it doesn't matter who is pleased. Next. It's not about where you worship. If you look in John, remember Jesus went to the, to the well. There was the lady, the Samaritan woman. Y'all remember? He's having that conversation. And she said, but, where, you know, she wanted to change the, the topic because Jesus was telling her everything, you know, like, yeah, you're with like the ninth husband now. Uh, you know, no, you're, you're, you know, you're just doing a lot of wrong things. And he said, she goes, so she changed the subject. Well, you know, y'all say worship from here. We say we got to go up the mountains. So where do we worship God? He said, it's not about where you worship. That ain't the thing. Do you really understand whom you worship? That's what he was asking. He said, hey, look, you can say, you know, you can say you worship here. And you, do you know who you worship? Now, what was he really asking? You know who I am? God desires deep truth based worship. That's what he said. They, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It is not just in spirit. That's where we are today. Well, I just feel I don't care. Do you get the truth and the feel? Remember, mind, heart, same thing. Next. It's not about me. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it because it's all about you. It's all about you. That's what we're doing. Now, you saying that to start with. Great tune, isn't it? Can you now really sing it? This is all about you. This is nothing about what I like. This is nothing about what I hope for. This is about what you want from me. And I can tell you all the time, God, I need this. 
God, this is going on in my life. God, you, are you seeing what I'm saying? God, I, I, I really need you to minister to me. God, I need these things. And God is saying, but come and talk. Just come and worship me. Just come and worship me. Do you think that the shepherds didn't need some stuff when Jesus was born? Do you think that? Do you think they lived life as a shepherd and didn't need anything? Oh, they was good. I'm sleeping out in the cold with a bunch of stinky sheep. But I'm good. I think they needed stuff. What does scripture say they did? They came and they worshipped the newborn king. Didn't ask him. Just, here it is. Maybe we should think about doing that in church. Let's show up and really worship him. Next. I did put it up there. God is displeased. If God is pleased, it doesn't matter who's pleased. Displeased. If God is displeased, it doesn't matter who is pleased. So I'm asking you. I'm asking you today. I don't know what God's communicated to you. I was really worried that my passion would come out as I was mad. I'm not mad at anybody. This is a result of what I've had to deal with myself. And I'm just wondering, in the rest of our time, we're going to do about three songs. Can you keep these things in mind as you worship now? Can you worship to please him, whether you like it or not? Can you worship to give to him whether he gives anything back or not. Let's pray together. Father, I am often worried that I, that my zeal comes out wrong. I pray that it has not. I pray that you have been glorified and you will continue to be glorified in this, these few moments we have left together. Don't let us walk out of this place with the slightest idea that you may have looked at what we've done and go, I don't want any of that. Accept our worship. Accept our praise. That we give freely and without reservation. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.